What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I lead marketing at The Juice. We have a conversation today that I'm excited to share. The topic is the mindset shift from brand to revenue marketing. And I got Justin Keller, who is the SVP of marketing at Drift on the show to share his experience. I'm a big fan of Justin. He's a local to Indianapolis marketer who's doing some really fun things, but he's worked on the brand and the revenue marketing side, and now he's getting the opportunity to lead one of the biggest and most well-known B2B marketing brands in the space, Drift. So I wanted to have him come on and share his experiences both on the brand and revenue side and how he thinks about it. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I know I did too. Are you a member of the Juice? Join the largest library of B2B marketing and sales resources in the entire universe. App.thejuicehq.com. We'll put it in the show notes. I'm fired up to share this one with you. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. I will start here and say this has been a long time coming. I'm very excited. I'm all I'm always excited for these, but especially when there's another marketer from the city that I live in and the city that I love joining me. So today I've got the SVP and head of marketing at Drift, Justin Keller, joining me. We are not together. We're 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 virtual, but we're in the same city. We're going to be talking today about the mindset shift between brand and revenue marketing. But without further ado, Justin, welcome. How are you? I'm awesome, Brett. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, everybody. So maybe we start here and I, I don't want to like maybe take a peek behind the curtain a little bit, but I thought it was funny. Like we had this exchange via email and I felt like it would be a good launching off point, but you know, you are the head of marketing at one of the hottest, most recognizable brands in B2B SaaS. And you you had a sentiment in your note back to me and it was just like, yeah, I've been like, I've been struggling trying to figure out the balance between revenue and brand marketing pretty much my whole career. So this will kind of be like a therapy where we're just going to air it out. So that's kind of the approach I want to take in this conversation, but excited to do some B2B marketing therapy on this episode as we dig into this topic. Yeah. We, we started talking about that. And I was like, let's, let's not, let's not like analyze this any further. Let's do this in real time on the podcast. So you're exactly right. Like that, that balance between brand and like what I call squishy marketing and hard performance marketing is something I know everyone struggles with it. It's it's like there's not there's never a right balance. There isn't. And maybe we start here with just like uh, your career story and arc. I find it super interesting and fascinating. But maybe just start there. Like I, I think you came into on my radar during your time elevating the Sigster brand, but I know you've been in the marketing game even before that. Now you're at Drift. But maybe talk a little bit about just like the different roles, companies, and functions on the brand and revenue side that you've been a part of. So my first real job out of college was I was the first non-founding employee of a company called Cha Cha, so another Indianapolis tech company. But this is this is before smartphones. So if you're old enough to remember Cha Cha, hello, I'll see you at the chiropractors later. And I got the tech bug there because it was just such like a such a rocket ship and it was so much fun to be a part of. I was like, I'm gonna do this full bore. I wanna be like a you know, die in the wool tech marketer. And my my CEO at the time gave me some questionable advice was like, well, if that's what you want to do, I, I'm sorry to tell you, but that's all numbers. It's all math, right? And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess then I'm going to go get my MBA. So I went and got a super quant heavy MBA that after I graduated, moved to San Francisco, did the tech marketing thing and over-indexed on 
the spreadsheet marketing, like getting really, you know, good at, at you know, understanding how Salesforce was running my business and how marketing was, you know, like what, what are the, the, the levers in a marketing program I can pull to make these numbers change? I spent a decade in San Francisco and then, you know, moved back to Indianapolis to take the head of marketing role at Sixter. And Sixter, if you're not aware, was a you know marketing technology, and this was my first time marketing to marketers. And so I wanted to change the way I thought about marketing. Like if I'm selling to myself, like what would I want to hear? How would I be impressed as a marketer? And that ended up kind of being code for okay, well, it's brand marketing, right? Like you want to like you know make a marketer fall in love with you. It's not going to be how great is your spreadsheet? Maybe it is, but it's really like you know what's what's what are the cool programs and stories you're telling. And so got really, really, you know, focused on that and had phenomenal results. Like we, for, uh, I think, forexed to that business in the span of two years, got acquired by Terminus, another marketing technology company. And there they, they loved what I did at, at Sixter. So they asked me to run brand marketing for them and just went, went ham, just did really, really cool, audacious stuff. Tried to kind of just like break, you know, what people thought of B2B marketing as. And then, you know, my team came to an end there and moved to Drift back into that old seat. So I came to Drift to run revenue marketing for us, which was basically just everything that's pipeline adjacent. And so I got back to my old ways of spending all days in spreadsheets and getting really, you know, just very mechanical with marketing, which, you know, is fine and good. And there's absolutely a place for it everywhere. But it did take my eye off the brand ball almost entirely because we had very talented brand people over here. And skip to today, I'm now, unbelievably, this is still kind of a trip for me to think that I'm the head of marketing at Drift. And now I'm thinking about both all the time. And so it's kind of like I've had an interesting journey that's led me to here where, you know, very, very strong at Drift, very, very strong revenue uh, performance marketing engine. Also, as you mentioned, just like one of B2B's most admirable brands. And so it's been an interesting, like, equation to end up with is like, how do I strike that balance between these two things? Totally. I, I appreciate you helping walk us down memory lane. I think it'll help us zero in and focus on maybe brand and revenue and maybe going a little deeper there. Cause I feel like we're at a point where, you know, goals are probably the highest they've ever been. Brand marketers are maybe now having to try to do more revenue or performance marketing type tactics. So I think just like in this conversation, I'm trying to like figure out like, what is brand marketing? What is revenue marketing? And kind of how can they maybe coexist and work together? But I think in our conversation before, when we were talking about your Sixter experience, you you mentioned like, I just want to impress other marketers. And so like here in Indianapolis and beyond, like I feel like the Sixter brand became very, very strong, very, very fast. And I would imagine through that brand recognition and growth through being at events, doing digital stuff, creating awesome content, like eventually like people became your customers because they saw you so many times. So maybe talk a little bit about that element and that approach you took on the brand side by saying like, I just want to impress other marketers and kind of like what you did in order to do that. Yeah, it was, I mean, so I say all this, it's not that I took my eye off of the numbers at all. It's that I didn't let the numbers influence what I did. At the end of the day, it was all about telling a really, interesting story and to do things that were patently not things that had been done in B2B before. And the marketing team, this is back before COVID, right? So we, the marketing team was all in one room in one corner of the office and we called it Marketing Island. 
And it was part of it, just like this alchemy of having really, really smart, wonderful, talented people all sitting together, bouncing ideas off of one another and constantly trying to be like, well, how could that's a good idea. How can we make that 15 percent weirder or OK, that's interesting. Let's move it to the left a little bit. You know, I don't mean politically, just like off center. And um, we ended up with really weird stuff. We ended up with like a branded field event called All About Margaritas. It was basically just like us trying to drown, you know, get, get as many margaritas in front of as many people as possible. And we had, <laughs> we had not one, but several mascots over the course of, you know, this two-year journey. And we always just try to just, you know, eschew traditional B2B norms wherever possible in the favor of just trying to have like a really interesting brand that felt like a, a person. So the Sixter brand, like we had like a brand, we had a brand archetype, but we even had to click down from that. We had like, if Sixter was a person, here's who he would be. And we all knew that it was like a late twenties male who had a French bulldog and it had a Jeep and, you know, like a very vivid picture of this person. And we just tried to be like, okay, this is, how do we make this brand? How do we make this person embody the brand of Sixter? So uh, through these uh, cool initiatives that I definitely noticed and caught my attention, I guess on the brand side, when you're you're building this awesome brand and you're trying new things and getting in these powwows with your teams and trying to create something weirder, I'm sure like at some point, like, you know, people are asking the question or you're asking the question yourself, like, how can we prove that what we're doing here is actually having an impact? And maybe it's not like, okay, we're increasing our demand gen numbers by X month over month, but just like these uh, big chances and swings that you're taking is actually amounting to new business for Sixer. Like, how did you begin to think about that? And how did you begin to kind of measure your existence and and what you and the rest of the team was doing? It was, I mean, all this to say, like we, we, we built a pretty remarkable brand and it was, you know, a small-ish, but I think it, you know, cast a really big shadow and I knew it was working when I, so I had been like spending, you know, almost 15 years, like optimizing for a cost per click or, you know, trying to increase the conversion rate. And in all that time had never had a salesperson thank me. And at Sixter, all of a sudden my, my sales counterparts were coming up and just saying like, I just got off the phone with someone who was, who couldn't wait to talk to us. And like my SDRs are saying, you know, oh, I'm cold calling people. And it's so nice that they're like, oh yeah, I know Sixter, you guys are doing this and this. And like that awareness, while kind of tough to quantify was palpable to mm. the people that were on the phones. And that is something I like while I was a performance marketer, never, never experienced that, never kind of got the benefit of building that brand. And it's, it's, it's too bad that it's kind of like a lot of qualitative feedback. I mean, there was like obviously website traffic growth, which was actually, I mean, the easiest thing to measure was like how many people care about and are watching Sixter. But a lot of the other things were softer, right? Because you couldn't tell if pipeline was growing because we were really good at, you know, running an ad campaign or if it's because people like we were just generating organic demand. I, before we move off of this, I, I want to drill in one, one, because I know there's a lot of brand marketers who are dealing with this right now. And it's like the, the balance between qualitative and quantitative feedback. But like, I think what you just described there resonated with me so much about like the salesperson, just like shooting you a note saying, Hey, like this dream account I was just talking to referenced a podcast episode or referenced this piece of content. Like, thank you so much for putting it together. But it's like these little bits and these stories that we get as brand marketers that sometimes like when we're trying to justify our existence, like they don't all come circulating and bubbling up to us. And it's hard to tell that story because it's coming in a lot of different places at a lot of different times. Like maybe like, do you have any advice or feedback just based on your experience to brand marketers who are maybe struggling to 
kind of justify their work and what they're doing, especially in this time where like expectations on on the revenue side are higher than they've ever been before? Yeah, I empathize deeply with you because it's a very like being a brand marketer is a lonely place to be because you can't you can't justify you can't take those little anecdotes to a board meeting and expect to come out like feeling like you're doing a great job, right? I will say that the one thing that worked really well for me is if you can make your CEO a believer, then Mm. I think you're insulated a lot. So like, you know, I mean, I remember Brian Wade, my CEO at Sixter, every once in a while, we'd have a smash hit on something and he couldn't wait to tell people about it. Like he couldn't wait to tell the board about it. And, 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 you know, we'd have, you know, for example, we had a line around the corner to a booth at a conference we were at and people were coming up to him being like, what did you guys do? How did you do this? And blah, blah, blah. Having those little moments where your CEO all of a sudden becomes a believer in what you're doing is the antidote, in my opinion, in, in not being able to quantify your impact in the world. And then website traffic, obviously, is the other big piece. I love it. Get your CEO on board. Uh, there's probably a whole nother episode on how to do that. But maybe transitioning, you Sigster experience, brand side, roll that into Terminus. Then you go and you're like the brand guy viewed as the brand guy that helped build this, you know, Sigster brand that people recognize and still talk about today. And then you get hired on at, in a revenue marketing function at Drift. So maybe talk about that pivot from like the experimentation, like doing wacky ideas to all of a sudden, like you're probably managing a team and you're probably spending a majority of your time in spreadsheets. Like talk a little bit about that shift. I mean, like I said, like being the brand guy is kind of lonely. Like you get, it's fun and it looks very fun from the outside. And to be fair, it is fun on the inside too, but it's also just kind of a tough place to exist because you feel like you're doing all the right things for the business. You want to, you want to grow as much as you can, but it's hard to quantify it. So when I came to drift, I was excited about going back to the roots and being able to be like, look, you know, crack my knuckles. Let's 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 get the calculator and the spreadsheet heated up, and let's do some marketing here. It was really good calisthenics, a really good like walk down memory lane, and I I still love it. And I think it is just such a critical part of marketing. But it's also not like it's not capital and marketing. Like when I got into marketing, it's because I thought it was more like the brand side. I thought it was more like the madman side of things, and then disappointedly but eagerly uh, got really good at the mechanical piece of the marketing. They should coexist, but it's tough to make them coexist, right? Being on the revenue marketing side, it's tough to really like flex in and say, hey, I think the brand should do this. Based on all of my calculations, I think this would be a great brand message to put out there. It just doesn't work like that, you know? And so it did become a little more like, okay, well, let's just like, let's run a really tight ship. Let's increase our efficiency as much as possible. And let's trust that our friends on the brand side of the house are going to do all the best things that they possibly can as well. And we did get better at kind of breaking those balls down a little bit. But at the same time, it's tough like I feel like if the revenue marketing team is directing the brand marketing team, something's going wrong. You got the the tail wagging the dog a little bit in that mm. situation. So to that point, and I think anyone out there listening, you know, there's some marketers that are listening that can relate just in terms of like drifts or org design and setup where you have a revenue marketing function and you've got, you know, brand marketing function. In some other cases, you, it's probably, you know, a revenue marketer and a brand marketer. And in maybe even other cases, it's just like one marketer who's trying to wear all the hats and do both. So maybe like, how does, I guess, great brand marketing influence revenue marketing? So kind of to that point, it's like, how does the brand help lead what we're doing on the revenue marketing side? I think it is 
like I said, they should be interconnected, but I do think that like revenue marketing, influencing brand marketing, marketing is an interesting idea, but brand marketing, influencing revenue marketing is the absolute, like that's, that's where, you know, exponential growth happens, right? If you're able to tell a really great story, if you're able to drive a really good message to exactly the right people, if you're able to get someone to stop scrolling and like interrupt their pattern and then followed up with a really, really immaculately built revenue marketing engine, that's where really, really interesting things happen. That's kind of what happened at Sixth Threads. We're working on, on, you know, kind of re rebuilding here at Drift right now. I believe very, very passionately that the brand side of the things is the tip of the spear. Like it's not the tip of the spear. It's like the whole, it's the whole warhead on a marketing program. Like everything else is just trying to make that work better. But at the end of the day, the brand thing is like that's the nucleus of the whole, the whole company in a lot of ways. So I know it's probably not as sexy or glamorous because typically the output is a cell in some spreadsheet, but is there a way, if you're a revenue marketer, is there a way to take what you're learning on the revenue marketing side and use that to help influence this brand you're building? Because I feel like right now what's what's getting attention in B2B SaaS and what's elevating and differentiating over everything else is like the cool brands that are doing weird stuff that is resonating because they have the right message. But then there's also probably some kick-ass companies that have an awesome revenue marketing team that are constantly producing and have that data that they can go back and take to their board and they're continuing to get more investment. So is there any way that the revenue marketers can help influence or give some sort of data to brand marketers to help kind of direct or guide what they're doing? So I'm racking my brain right now, Brett. I'm trying to think of like a single situation in which the answer is yet. And I may be ready to come out with a hot take, but no, I don't know <laughs> if they can. And I'm saying this as a revenue marketer who also, you know, loves, loves, loves building a brand. People listening, please help me think of this because right now I'm coming up empty and it may be, it just, we may have just stumbled onto something here, Brett, that like, you know, it is a unidirectional flow. Oh yeah. Well, well I, I think, I think what you're suggesting, and maybe this is a, a message to any CEO board member listening. It's like in order to grow and grow long-term, like you can't, like if your company is not growing right now, it's probably not the best idea to cut out like brand roles, like content or brand manager. I feel like it's, it's hard. And like right now for me, what I see is like a lot of these roles being eliminated, but for short-term games on the revenue side or more investment on the revenue side. But that's kind of my take on it. It's like, don't, don't, don't just get rid of brand roles because it's hard to justify their output to direct revenue right now because it's not linear. So that's kind of how I yeah. think about it. I think that's right. And I think right now, like, I mean, if you're still listening, dear CEO, probably the worst time ever. And I feel like every, every kind of interesting economic cycle, there's like, oh, well, here's why you need to invest brand more than ever. But I do feel like this is one of those times because AI is all of a sudden kind of like leveling the playing field. And I think pretty soon, maybe a year or two from now, your brand is going to be the main competitive differentiator you have. Like the more creative and even like weird and insane people you can hire right now, the more it's going to pay off down the road when performance marketing can be augmented a lot by AI. So listen, you, you got to think about the long game here, CEOs. And, you know, like having a really, really strong revenue marketing program is table stakes. Like getting really, really good and building a brand is the tricky part because 
it goes up to you too. Like you need to be able to justify that investment and it's going to be hard for you too, just like it is for the brand marketer, but it is the right thing to do. So, so now is the time at Drift based on your new role where you are overseeing both sides. So uh, you're, you're maybe less in the spreadsheet. I'm sure you're still in the spreadsheets, but you're maybe less in the spreadsheets and now trying to think more on leaning into like brand side, the cool stuff, the sexy stuff. Maybe talk a little bit about just like that allocation of time and just like how, how you're operating now or how you want to be operating in a month or two months from now. Sure. So I've been enrolled for not quite two months now. I am still in spreadsheets a lot, but I'd say, you know, three months ago I was in spreadsheets probably 90% of the day, not even a joke. And now I'd say it's probably more like 40%. And then I've got, you know, a good amount of, of, you know, PowerPoint or slides or whatever in the mix now where I'm starting to kind of like build out like long-term vision. And here's what a roadmap to like, you know, generate hype around all these new product launches we've got looks like. And working a lot more closely with the, the content and the brand teams and being like, okay, what we're, we're in a new, a new dawn for drift. Like what are the really provocative stories we can tell? And that's one thing I'm really excited about is that's one thing I love is being provocative. I don't mean that in like a negative jerky kind of way, but I really, really get excited as a marketer about having someone say, did they just do that? Like, is that really? Okay. Like being able to just kind of, and it's one of those things where you have to be a little bit fearless, but like making really bold choices that you get really nervous about, you know, pressing play on. That's one of the things that gets me really excited about marketing in general. And it's been a while just because it's, you know, it's not a luxury you get in revenue marketing. I'm really excited to start doing that here at Drift, especially with the might of the Drift brand behind us. I, maybe we close out with this and the, I love that word provocative. And I think we've all seen the narratives about like, there's the Scott Brinker's MarTech map and there's all these dots in each of these categories and everyone's product is kind of doing the same thing. And like, what, what can we do in order to separate from the pack? And I think the key word that you hit on is probably likely one of those things and that's be provocative. So maybe we close here. Like, I'd be curious, just do you have any advice for a marketer who is, you know, it can be on the brand, it can be on the revenue side, who's working within a function right now, or working within an organization right now who sees an opportunity to be provocative, but might work for a brand that hasn't taken those big swings and been provocative in the past. Like, what kind of advice do you, would you give them in order to not only like implement their ideas, but get buy-in from the rest of the organization? That's a, I mean, yeah, that like that question posed to a broad swath of marketers is tough to answer. If you're in a smaller company, go nuts, like just go for it. There's, there's really little downside. If you're in a very big established brand, it becomes really, really difficult to, to jump through all the hoops. I would say this, the things that I've seen work really, really well for myself and for others is one, remember that people don't want to buy from your company. They want to buy from your brand and your brands. People, you know, interact with brands that are familiar to them, that they, they aspire to be like, which said differently, like people want to deal with brands that feel like a person in a way, right? They want to be able to have some personality behind it. So figure out how do I inject a little bit of humanity or personality into this brand? And then I think, you know, kind of like a branch off that same vein, how do you make this slightly weirder? And I think weird, it has such a negative connotation to it and it shouldn't. It's just like, we use the same stupid buzzwords and we go to the same stupid stock photography websites. It's just, if you're doing that, you're not really making any noise at all. Make it a little bit weird and start to figure out like how that weirdness matches your brand personality. 
And you are going to get people that say that's weird and I don't like it. And that's awesome. That means you're on the right track, right? If, if a few people don't like it, that means a few people will love it. Let's get weird. That's the closing advice. So if you're out there and you're struggling, just get weird. I love it. Justin, this was a fun conversation. I love you sharing your insight, career experience, and I'm excited to see what's next for you and Drift. Thanks so much, Brett. It was really awesome to be here. Thank you everybody for listening. Always enjoy time talking with Justin. Really appreciate his perspective just on the brand side, thinking about how brand marketing influences revenue, how revenue marketing influences brand and everything in between. You take care of yourself, take care of others around you. We'll be back with more Modern Day Marketer on the other side.